0: Read the Future Conversations is providing this podcast for educational purposes only. Read the Future is a nonpartisan, not not-for-profit. It neither takes any position on any political issue nor endorses any candidates, political parties, or public policy proposals. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Read the Future. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by Read the Future employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the view of Read the Future or any of its officials. Um,
1: good morning. Um, it's Arizona time out here and, and uh, today we have our guest speaker, Shirley Brunswick, uh, the CEO of Spaceport Foundation. Um, this is episode five of Conversations podcast and our guest today, I, I will be happy to introduce, uh, Shelly Brunswick, um, in this episode, um, Shelly is, Shelly has a remarkable, remarkable professional experience, um, uh, remarkable individuals and your hobbies. Um, from, from what I've learned, you know, just by learning about you online is you are, you are truly down to earth person. Um, However, um, I believe the audience may not know who you are and I mean not be I mean be able to do a great job introducing you. Would you please help the audience become more aware of what you do and and what and how that makes society and and and, and better, but also even um how you being a guest speaker would improve their own personal lives.
2: Well, thank you so much for inviting me today. I'm so honored to be joining you and sharing with your listeners about the great opportunities that are available in the global space ecosystem. As you said, I'm Shelly Brunswick. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Space Foundation, and Space Foundation is a U.S. nonprofit that does business internationally. We have three main areas that we focus on. Our first one is our Symposium 365. So one of the things we've done for the last 40 years is put on the premier global space event located in Colorado Springs. Every April, we bring together the military, civil, commercial, and international space agencies to talk about the future of the space industry. The second thing we focus on at Space Foundation Is education through our Center for Innovation and Education. And that includes we have a beautiful Discovery Center located in Colorado Springs. So, any of your guests, if you're passing through Colorado, please stop by our Discovery Center in Colorado Springs. We also have uh, kindergarten through 12th grade formal education programs, teacher professional development as well as adult non-accredited education programs and that can relate to women empowerment programs helping college students understand what the global space economy could mean to them and the opportunities as well as entrepreneurial facilitation and then of course the third component of space foundation is our global alliance division and global alliance is all about building partnerships and relationships with yourself as well as the state of arizona and that includes internationally with organizations like the African Union, the um, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, the Organization of American States, and more. So we are a again a U.S. nonprofit looking to do business internationally. As for my oh, go ahead. I was just going to share Derek um, about my story, but we can come back to that.
1: Wow, well, just to kind of like take a moment here yeah, to interrupt you for a second, guy. Right? You have shared a remarkable. Um, areas where the space foundation and, and your own personal lives as well and 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 that is something that like we can touch on right as we, we go further to really help draw the audience into really how your work affects your own personal lives to really build that bridge but you mentioned entrepreneurship right to really trans- transition here into um, uh, entrepreneurship there is and to really be more specific female entrepreneurship um to help the audience here, right? Actually, you have written several articles. Um, one of your recent articles, was featured on Forbes Mag magazine, where you discuss helping helping uh, with furthering female entrepreneurs. So could you help, uh, elaborate on how you you help encourage women to join the industry? And if And 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 if you have been and 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 if you have seen any changes in that amount of women in the years and years, what is your outlook so far?
2: Well, that's an excellent question. So thank you so much for reading my article in Forbes. To share with your audience, I'm a Forbes Technology Council member, which means every month I try to share some insightful information with the Forbes audience about the space industry. So for anyone listening, please go back. I started writing for Forbes. The first article came out in August of 2022. And my current one just came out today, and today we're reporting on 6 February. And what I'm going to talk about is the article that just came out on 6 February, which is about how you can create the career field you want and that entrepreneurial component. So at Space Foundation, we have a five step workforce development roadmap, and that relates to awareness, access, training, connecting, and mentoring. So again, thinking about it. So that first step is awareness for people to come into the space industry or to be an entrepreneur. You have to understand that there's an opportunity for you. And that's why your podcast is so important, Eric. because you're helping to bring awareness to people, not only in Arizona, but anywhere that are listening to this podcast, that they can be part of the global space economy. There's a place for them. And there's definitely a place if they want to be an entrepreneur. The second component is creating an access point. So how do we create an access point into the space industry? And so one access point could be if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to create a business, but you're not sure what that business would be. You could go to the NASA technology transfer office and there they have thousands of patents that are waiting to be commercialized. You could apply for that patent. You could apply for a grant and you could look to build a business case to commercialize that technology. And that technology could relate to agriculture, healthcare, um, pharmaceuticals, energy, satellite communication, and more. So there are people from doctors who are looking at uh, developing technology on the International Space Station to retired NFL players who have commercialized space technology. So that's a great access point. That third step I shared is training. You could look at having formal training. So I know you're with Arizona State University. If you wanna be a rocket scientist or an astronaut, you're gonna need a formal education. But if you wanna be an entrepreneur, you could take programs with Space Foundation for our Space Commerce Institute where you could go in and look at our webinars or you could look at uh, swiping your credit card and taking one of our courses that can help you understand your journey as a space entrepreneur. And so that could be an informal program. You could also look at other webinars as informal training opportunities. The fourth step is networking, building relationships into the community you wanna be a part of. So if you wanna be part of the space industry and an entrepreneur, You should look around Arizona, since this podcast is primarily for Arizona, and look for incubators and accelerators that you can find like-minded people to help you with developing your business, your business plan. How do you create value? What is your problem solving? Who could you pitch your idea to uh, to generate revenue? You could also go to events. Like I mentioned, the annual space symposium that takes place every April, and this year will be 17 to 20. Uh, April here in Colorado Springs at the Broadmoor to meet people in the space industry that you might be able to discuss your business with. So look for those conferences you can attend or those organizations you can join that help you. And the last step, which is really that first step, is about building mentorships. So finding a mentor can help you overcome many of the challenges you'll experience as an entrepreneur. Some of those mentoring programs uh, that I recommend and volunteer my time for is Women Tech Network. And although it says Women Tech Network, it is open to men and women. Also, the United Nations Office of Outer Space Affairs has a Space for Women mentoring program. Again, open to men and women. And then there's also Space Generation Advisory Council has a mentoring program. So look for a mentor who can help you through your journey. Go to some of those incubators and accelerators. See if you can find a mentoring program because that can help you overcome many of the challenges you'll have as an entrepreneur. So again, that five-step workforce development roadmap, awareness, access, training, connecting, and mentoring. And I hope you check out my Forbes article that just came out on six February, 2023 that talks all about that workforce development roadmap.
1: I mean, like, surely, like you're you're really giving so much, I think, um uh, uh you, you have shared quite a bit here right i mean the five step workforce development work by the space foundation is really a critical component to ensuring that the industry is able to um find the talent uh that that can really prevent long um, future short shortages but as you mentioned right training is a critical com- component for any um workforce in initiative um and and to really bring in some some statistics into the new um, view here, um uh, you share more you, you share uh quite of the few signs that women are, are, are missing out on, on on opportunities, uh some of those opportunities you have highlighted um in involving mentorship and networking. Um And according to the Phoenix Chamber, right, Phoenix uh, Chamber uh, Foundation, um, the Greater Phoenix region is home to a civilian working-age, non-institutional population of of just less than four million people, and two point fifty three million of those are participating in the labor force. Um, You mentioned training and and the five um, the five workforce development um 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 by the space foundation um if we can help the audience really find find some ways or if you can comment on really um either employed or unemployed right uh what what do you see as the right course of action in arizona labor market relating to increasing the labor um the labor force participation rate among female especially within the Emerging Space Economy.
2: Fantastic question to talk about the Emerging Space Economy and what type of opportunities are available for diversity women and other underserved communities. So the first thing I'll share with your audience is that the global space economy in 2021 was $467 billion. And that is projected to grow by 2030 to $1.4 trillion and over $3 trillion by 2040. And what's so exciting about this growing space economy is that it is about going to the moon and on to Mars and beyond, but it's also about how we take that space technology and wrap it back to Earth to make our everyday lives better. So you and I are talking today on Zoom, and Zoom is a platform that's only made possible by space technology. Telecommunications was designed by the space industry. We also have our cell phones, you know, I love my cell phone, I love to take selfies with it. And many of your phones are carrying NASA imaging technology within them to capture that perfect photo. You can think about formulated food or fire retardant clothing that firefighters wear. We can talk about um, mammogram detection, and many other but all of these technologies are brought to us through the space innovation. And it's the space innovation that was invested in during the Apollo Apollo era that was then commercialized to be used here on Earth. So for your women and diversity and other underrepresented groups that are listening in Arizona and you wanna tap into the space industry, you can look at the NASA Tech Transfer website or the Department of Energy or the Air Force Research Lab. Again, thousands of patents are waiting to be uh, commercialized and brought to market, and with those grants are opportunities to apply, or with those patents are the opportunity to apply for grants to commercialize that technology. And that technology crosses all sections of what our world is living in. So we can think about agriculture, healthcare, pharmaceuticals, uh, financial, public safety, transportation, advanced manufacturing, and more. So if you're interested. In being in high tech or in any of those other market segments, then you're already in the space industry. You just need to find something that you want to bring to market and commercialize. Or you may already have a product you want to bring to market and commercialize. And then you could be looking at the Air Force Research, um, Air Force Research Lab, um, AFRL, or Defense Innovation Unit out of the Department of Defense or NASA to see if your product or service could be a match for what they're looking for. So there's great opportunity to help both tech transfer, uh, taking technology from the government and commercializing it, as well as tech insertion, which is you have a product that you could bring to the government for use. So thank you for asking.
1: I mean, like, wonderful response, or shall, shall, shall You really, you are, you are, you are, you are providing uh I mean you mentioned a few things patterns, uh you mentioned a few other areas, uh, really um in terms of the revenue or the market valuation of the space economy, right? Which also shows a significant amount of opportunity and the and the importance of really ensuring that um um, um, um women can can really find opportunities of long-term growth in this emerging economy. And to really transition on that area where you were just stuck in the right space, um, to really transition, um, uh, uh, and to change to a more technical aspect, right? um, Space in Arizona um you have mentioned matters i believe the audience welcomes and relates to and apparently Arizona is a significant contributor to the giant leap of mankind uh and to quote um Concrete which one of the best broadcasters to ever i think um live personally Concrete news articles right from 2019 stating um 2019, uh, which which states uh, really how Arizona scientists and education institutions have assisted with a number of NASA missions. And as science continues to peel back the layers of the cosmos, Arizona involvement in these projects only seems to deepen. It was just it was just three years ago. University of Arizona Lunar and Unplan- Planetary Laboratory was founded by Garrett Kup- 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 Am I saying that? Garrett Kupner uh, the founder of the modern planetary science um and and it's just amazing to see how this uh this broad power right? you have colorado new mexico arizona and california that are all focusing on really developing a space ecosystem um, and 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 why not help uh the audience become more familiar as to why uh, the National Space Council was reinstated in 2017 uh, um, uh, by former President Donald Trump after o- originally being this disband in 1993. Um, in the sense that the audience might be more might be more interested in some of the benefits of having it reinstated, uh, would you be able to comment on that?
2: Well, I would be happy to comment. Um, I'll first start by saying I was fortunate to be in the room when President Donald Trump signed the legislation reinstating the National Space Council. So it was quite an honor to be there when it was reinstated. And the purpose of the National Space Council is to advise the president on the formulation and implementation of space policy and strategy. We can see how space is intertwined in our everyday decision making from, again, formulated food... Uh, Zoom technology, healthcare, but we also look at space as a critical infrastructure. Here in the United States, think about GPS with our airplanes flying every day, or trains, or GPS on John, De- uh, John Deere tractors that are uh, creating our food that we're going to eat, or the supply chain, uh, big ships that are moving cargo around the planet that are using GPS. So, our entire economy and way of life is connected with space technology. So it's really important that the president has taken it, that takes it so seriously with the National Space Council. And one of the areas we at Space Foundation really focus in and partner with the National Space Council is with the Director of STEM and Workforce Policy. You know, Space Foundation being a nonprofit for education. We're really passionate about helping the White House and NASA and other um, agencies, not only in the US but around the world, create that workforce of the future. And one of the programs we worked on in collaboration with the White House, National Space Council and NASA was a Moon Colony Kit. Our Moon Colony Kit was a physical game uh, that kids could play, primarily targeted for middle school. And thanks to a generous donation, we were able to provide these kits around the United States free of charge to Title I schools. And the goal of the kit, the Moon Colony Kit, is that children are, have created a settlement on the moon. That's the game. And now they have a challenge. Uh, something has happened on their settlement and they have to engage in that challenge and problem solve. But what they do is they draw a card and there are 50 different cards that highlight more than 50 different careers in the space industry. So kids learn how do they problem-solve, how do they communicate, how do they work with others, and then they learn that there are more than 50 different skills in the space industry. Yes, there are absolutely astronauts and rocket scientists, but there are program managers and policy makers and teachers and technicians and welders and electricians and investors and entrepreneurs. And so by creating this game in partnership with the White House, the National Space Council, NASA, and Space Center Houston, We helped more than uh, kids all around the United States learn about the space industry and how they can find their way into it through all these different careers. So that's one way that Space Foundation partners with the National Space Council and that the National Space Council helps to inform the president on the future of space policy and strategy and that we're really passionate about helping to build that workforce, not only of the future, but how do we reskill and upskill the workforce of today?
1: And 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 that kind of like wraps it into really like some of the the critical areas that we have covered of entrepreneurship workforce and space activities in Arizona, But you also mentioned the variety of um of 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 of, of um, activities going on in colorado as well if you could um elaborate a little bit more on really how is colorado and arizona collaborating on really ensuring that um 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 the future of of space work workforce whether it's uh, companies that choose to really um relocate or really Um, entrepreneurial activity uh, in Colorado and Arizona can really be um, collaborative do you see that as a critical area
2: absolutely I think Arizona and Colorado have great collaborative opportunities you know here in Colorado we have Denver and the University of Boulder uh, Colorado at Boulder you have Colorado Springs you have CSU Pueblo So great um, education programs in Colorado, as well as Arizona, Arizona State University, um, Space Foundation is a partner with ASU and the Thunderbird School, as well as Milo out of Arizona State University. So just between Space Foundation being in Colorado and all the great institutions in Colorado, we do have built partnerships with Arizona, especially through Arizona State University and the Thunderbird School to build that space ecosystem because it's going to take all of us working together to unlock space technology and innovation because when we unlock space technology and innovation as an entrepreneur, entrepreneurship creates jobs and opportunities for everyone to then have great paying jobs here in the United States, as well as bringing that technology to market because when we unlock space technology, we can better our everyday lives. We can better humanity and so that's why it's so important that we all work together to collaborate on space innovation and entrepreneurship as well as leadership. So, Space Foundation is a great partner. We look forward to continuing to partner with you as well as Arizona State University, the Thunderbird School, and Milo. And there's never been a better time to be in the global space ecosystem.
1: And 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 let's ensure that that is that's the route that con- con- continues to come about really uh, where. Uh, The space ecosystem, if you look back in uh, the early 2000s or the late 90s, right, there wasn't much policy around that area. But as we have now progressed into a more um, um, collaborative work environment, right, whether it's globally, domestically, or even at the local jurisdictions. And that's an area where we, we we can wrap things up with where, where we can transition into space policy. to so see you mentioned how there's a significant amount of of skilled demand and that demand isn't cap to just being an astronaut, right? You mentioned um plumbers, you also mentioned policy. Um and that is really one area where now we can end things with, which is um in one of your recent articles, right, uh, uh, running the space playbook in Chile, uh, published by, by Space News, uh, uh, you highlight that the Chilean space strategy. Um, are there any innovations or practices in regards to space implemented in other countries you would like to see applied in the U.S. Um, uh, as a whole?
2: Well, thank you so much for highlighting my article in Space News. And that was my article in December was on Chile. I just had one come out in January on Canada and our great partnership that the United States and Canada have. What that Space News series, um, that international series highlights and it cover, I've been doing it the last two years, is how when we think back to the Apollo era, there were only two countries operating in space, the United States and Russia. And now here we are 60 years later, and more than 90 countries are operating in space and many more want to operate in space or create a space workforce that uh, uses space technology to benefit their quality of life and their citizens. We also think back to that Apollo era, and you highlighted primarily the workforce with STEM professionals, scientists, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And here we are 60 years later with a diversity of careers that are more than 50 Uh, You know, again, we talked about policy makers, program managers, technicians, engineers, investors. Um, So the sky is no longer the limit. And when we think back 60 years ago, we also look at a workforce that primarily was a government employee, male, professional. Now you're looking at military, commercial, civil and international employees that are working for commercial companies, international organizations, uh, universities, think tanks, nonprofits, as well as we're looking at uh, gender diversity, as well as generational diversity and geography diversity. So we're really seeing that that sky is not the limit anymore because you can now be part of the space industry in just about every region of the world, any generation, any gender and any background, career background, so it's an exciting time. Thank you again. I hope that you'll stay tuned. My next article coming out in Space News, I'm going to uh, highlight the Italian space ecosystem. So stay tuned. That will be coming out.
1: Wow. Well, like, Charlotte, I mean, that's phenomenal. Like, I'm in, be, uh, I read quite a lot online, and I don't think I'm going to comment on whether I will be reading. But I will definitely be looking forward to seeing what Space News has coming out soon. Um, and to really close it off here, guys, I, I think we 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 began with some of that um, personal aspects of of your own character, of your own personality. That, that that I believe, I mean, that has actually inspired me actually. And to really now help the audience close into more of some of your own hobbies and and personal preferences uh, would you, I, I I I your your, your uh <laughs> Your yeah, your journey to where you are, you are is astonishing, and 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 in any journey comes hobbies, right? As we were talking earlier from the beginning, um, hobbies and characters. Um, and to change the subject now to something more um or down down to earth, what what brings out your character or draws you to those adventures and and hobbies? Um, I mean, I you are the CEO of the Space Foundation at Colorado, but how did you like what sort of like was it parents or was it just your curiosity for for literature or was it just a matter of you just being yes yourself
2: so how i got to where i am it's it's really about taking advantage of opportunities so when you're offered an opportunity and sometimes opportunities look like hard work it's about volunteering for the hard projects or working on the weekend on an article or preparing for a podcast with amazing derek um sometimes uh taking advantage of opportunities is extra work but it usually pays off because it creates new opportunities new doors open people see you in a different light and then that's how my life has been i have believed in doing hard work and hard work eventually leads to opportunities and opportunities may lead to more hard work but eventually if you're passionate about your work like i am um then you're able to
1: (laughs) Exactly.
2: The cycle of hard work leads to finding your passion, though. And I'm very passionate about the space industry and even more passionate about creating opportunities for others. So I'm an advocate in being a mentor. I'm a mentor. I encourage all of your audience and listeners to consider being mentors. You can be a mentor at any stage of your career. You know, A college student can mentor a high school student, a high school student. You can mentor a junior high student. So think about being a mentor because a mentoring can help unlock the key and create an easier path for someone else. And I do. I oh, go ahead.
1: No, no. Sorry for cutting you off here. Like I was just thinking about uh, the past week. I was at the US uh, Global Collision Leadership, like right? US USGLC. Uh, with with some of uh, the veterans, and I realized just how impactful veterans can also be in mentorship. Right where where the life of of a veteran is it's is uh, rich with discipline and character, and, and 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 that's an area where mentorship can really be a, a very um critical area. So thank you to the veterans, but but please, uh, Shirley, continue with your comment. I think I interrupted you there.
2: That's okay. I'm a veteran as well, 29 years in the United States Air Force, so I agree with you. Uh, veterans can be great mentors, and I also share with your uh, civilian audience out there, if, if you see a veteran who's separating or transitioning out of the military, please reach out to them and mentor them and help them find a job as they transition into civilian life. So uh, veterans are great mentors, but they also need mentoring when they transition, so you can be a mentor. I did want to share, you asked about some hobbies. I do have hobbies. Um, I believe in traveling, so that was one of the reasons I enlisted in the U.S. Air Force because it allowed me to see the world. I was able to be stationed in other countries and experience other cultures, and that's why I'm very passionate about uh, growing the global space ecosystem and partnering with other countries. That's why I have this uh, space news article series that highlights uh, space activities in other countries. And then I'm also an avid because when you when you look through the lens of a camera, you're looking in on other people, other scenes, other cultures, and you're capturing that moment in time and that perspective. And it highlights, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, cultures. And as we look at a climate that's changing, it also highlights uh, wildlife and biodiversity and the importance of the world that we want to maintain. So I am an avid uh, traveler photographer. My next trip that will be international looks to be to Iceland. And I'm looking forward to coming back with 10,000 pictures or more of nature and wildlife and exploring Iceland. So thank you for asking.
1: Oh, I mean, like the thing I was thinking about when you mentioned those two those two words uh, like, of my own personal hobbies that I think are, are very um, valuable to I mean, photography being being one of them, and I give credit to my high school photographer for really helping me uh, figure out just how much photography can can really be uh, therapeutic, right? And I think um, traveling as well and enjoy Iceland. I think I I have had a chance to learn about the geography, but I've never been able to touch the geography with my bare feet, so uh i'm looking forward to your thousand photographs <laughs>
2: <laughs> well thank you so much thank you for inviting me to join you today
1: right thank you and Shirley, uh i mean if you would be um comfortable with sharing with the audience how they can contact you uh i believe you have a website as well as your articles yes uh, on forbes and the space news and you are also on linkedin correct
2: absolutely so people can follow me and space foundation uh we have we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. And then as you said, you can go to the Forbes articles. They're all listed there under my Forbes profile and Space News. You might have to Google them individually, but there's about eight to 10 articles with Space News about the uh, various regions of the world if you want to learn more. And we always look to uh, highlight more regions of the world. So if you have any international audience members listening and they're interested in having us uh, spotlight their their country please reach out to us we're always looking for new opportunities and new places to highlight
1: awesome and i think uh from what i've learned about this podcasting is that our audiences are globally uh, as well as local as well and i've just been amazed by 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 the numbers and thank you for listening uh please uh do subscribe and 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 looking forward to uh, bringing in more guest speakers thank you shelly appreciate it
2: my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I look forward to joining you again, because there's a place for everyone in the new global space
1: ecosystem.
0: Read the Future Conversations is providing this podcast for educational purposes only. Read the Future is a nonpartisan not-for-profit. It neither takes any position on any political issue nor endorses any candidates, political parties, or public policy proposals reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Read the Future. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by Read the Future employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the view of Read the Future or any of its officials.